Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Muscle Science for Women podcast. I'm your host, one of your hosts, Ashley Van Houten. Rachel is not uh, joining us today. I have a rare outside interview with a guest. Her name is Melissa Paris, and she and I have been friends for a while now, um, back when I was living in New York. I actually interviewed her a while back for one of my other millions of podcasts. I think I've hosted or co-hosted like six podcasts at this point. So it's all kind of a blur for me now, but um, Melissa is a personal trainer. She's a kettlebell expert. She's also an expert in postpartum wellness, fitness, um, getting back to health postpartum, not only because you're postpartum, but also because you now are trying to get fit and you have a baby to deal with as well. Um, she's so genuine. She has so much knowledge and I just wanted to bring her back on to have a chat because we haven't actually talked about this stuff together since I have gone through the experience myself. So we dive into a lot of stuff about basically what's important to do during the postpartum period, as well as prepping, you know, when you're pregnant, going to become pregnant. We talk about things like breath work and core health, of course, the best way to support and strengthen your core sort of before you get pregnant, while you're pregnant, postpartum. Uh, we talk about the number one thing women should do in the very precious weeks following birth to support their health. You're going to have to listen to know what that one thing is. It may surprise you. It may not. Um, but anyway, Melissa's great. She's just such a, a, a light and a positive force in the postpartum and fitness and women's wellness space. She's awesome. Go check her out and follow her on Instagram at Melissa Paris Fitness. She also has a company called The Fit Forth, which is what we talked about. It's all about supporting postpartum women. Um, so I'm not going to talk too much more. I'm just going to dive into this chat that I recently had with Melissa, um, but don't fast forward yet real quick. Just got to shout out our two podcast partners. They're the people who let us actually have this show and let it continue to happen um, because they, they support all the work that we're doing. Podcasts take a lot of work, guys. Um, I know it seems like everyone has one and it's like, what kind of job even is this? But there is some work that goes <laughs> that goes into it, I promise. And our two awesome partners who have been supporting us for a while are ActiveStacks. They make the best tasting protein powder ever. I use it all day, every day in every protein enhanced thing that I make, whether it's a protein shake or ice cream or what have you. They've got two flavors, chocolate and vanilla, because really at the end of the day, that's all you need, especially when it's made with really, really good ingredients like actual cocoa powder, actual vanilla bean paste instead of, you know, whatever natural flavor means. Um, so if you go to activestacks.com, use the code MSW10, you'll get a discount. And it'll help you, you know, hit your protein goals because that seems to be one of the biggest issues that I find my clients have is getting enough protein in the day. Chug a protein shake, guys. Make some protein ice cream. It's not too hard. Active Stacks. Okay, next up, Bub's Naturals. They're just killing it. They started out basically doing MCT powder and collagen, which I still use on a daily basis, but they have now expanded into the world of really, really high quality coffee. They now have their own line of uh, coffee beans as well as pre-ground coffee, which is great for me because I'm lazy. They have a creamer that uses um, powdered grass-fed milk as well as MCT. It's delicious. It makes your coffee so creamy and not sweet if you're not into the sweet stuff. 
and they've got like basically the whole coffee kit. They've got the frothers, they've got the MCT, they've got the creamer, they got the coffee, they got everything. And they give 10% of their earnings to veteran supporting charity, which is just a, you know, near and dear to my heart, but just very important companies who try to do good things for other people. It's more rare than you think. So go to bubsnaturals.com. They have a code MSW20, which gives you 20% off anything you buy with them. You're supporting your health. You're supporting a good company. You're supporting us. It's a win-win-win. Thank you guys for listening. And please enjoy this interview with Melissa Paris. All right. Welcome to the Muscle Science for Women podcast. Melissa, I'm so happy to have you here. It's so good to chat with you again. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I just really enjoy your company. I listen to your podcast all the time. I love hearing your voice and everything you have to offer the world. It's just, you're doing it. You're doing the things. Thank you. Thank you so much. And it's, I mean, I can tell we have a lot to talk about today because as soon as we got on this Zoom, even before like pressing record, we were just like diving into some deep stuff. So Mm -hmm. we'll see, we'll see how, you know, how far we can take it in this, this podcast. But I really wanted you to come on to talk a little bit about postpartum fitness, because it's, it's obviously something that's still kind of fresh and exciting and new in my world being, you know, not quite two years postpartum. Um, and the amount of research and work and, and, um, stuff that I did from finding out that I was pregnant to now, you know, I've, I've learned a lot. Um, but I've really learned kind of how far I think we have to go as an industry in helping and supporting postpartum women. And that's something that you are really dedicating a lot of your time to with your company and your, your programming and your work. So I'd love for you to, before we dive into any specific questions, just kind of tell our audience a little bit about like your background and who you are and what the fit forth is. Yeah. So I, um, and I've been training clients for years. Um, it was sort of my side hustle in college. I went to school for nutrition and um, training was my side hustle. And then I went into pharmaceutical sales after college and I quickly realized like I didn't, it was just wasn't my passion. I really was on more of the preventative side. Um, so I went back into training and then fast forward, I had, I got pregnant with my first son and I quickly realized like, wow, pregnancy and postpartum is such an underserved market. I was like, this, there's so much room for improvement here. And specifically what I was passionate about was the postpartum period, like right after um, the baby's born. And then really right after that six to seven week postpartum checkup, where people are typically told most of the time you can go back to doing what you were normally doing. And, um, that's, that's where I wild. Was it's really wild. It's really, I, I wanted to be like, say to the doctor, do you know what I was doing at the gym? Yeah. Um, but the thing is like, they're not trained in that. Right. So it's generally, they're not trained in that. So it's not, it's not anyone's fault. It's just, there's a lot of room for improvement in my opinion, right at that six to seven week postpartum checkup, even just educating women on how important breath work can be and how far that can go. So I dove really deep into the postpartum world, um, after my, after my first birth and that, and then I had a very different birth experience with my first versus my second. So that sort of gave me a full spectrum experience personally on how to help coach people, language to use. Um, and the more people I spoke to, the more I realized people, you know, had these lots of questions right after having a baby, when it came to their body, whether they were like, you know, Olympic lifters or whether they were people that just like to trot around on the treadmill, it doesn't matter, right? Your body just 
birthed a human. So it's a massive life event. And there's just not a lot of information out there for women, even when it just comes to breathing, standing, posture, all the things that we're going to be doing anyway as new parents yeah, um, and how to do it um, properly or with a little bit more ease. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit of background. I can go on and on and on about it. Um, and we will over the next hour. Yes. Yeah. I'm excited to do that. What about the fit fourth is the, the name of your yeah. like programming. So can yeah. you just talk a little bit about how that works? Like if someone's like, okay, I, I want to work with you or I want to learn what, yep. what can they expect? So after my second son, so my first son was a C-section. He was really stuck in that birth canal. And my second son was a V-back. So I had a completely, like I said, different experience. And I'll, although I've done, I did tons of research um, in between, I think I was still, after I had my second son, after that vaginal experience, like, whoa, this is so different. Nobody talks about certain aspects of this. So when I went to that checkup to get clear to move, um, I remember the being like, you're good to go. And I was like, I don't feel good to go. Right. Like I was really still uncomfortable walking and going to the bathroom and, you know, all these things I just wasn't expecting. Um, and so I, I really created this program called the fit forth around that because I learned through lots of research that just moving and crawling and rolling and glute bridges and dead bugs and all those things when done properly can really set your body up for success. Like you really need that foundation before you go back to certain movements or picking up a weight, even though we are doing some of that anyway, when we're picking up our kids, especially if you have multiple. So I created this program called the fit fourth, and it really helps bridge the gap between that six to seven week postpartum checkup. And then going back to your normal fitness routine. So right. it, and it's 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 general, right? So based on where you ended your fitness or if you were able to work out to the end of your pregnancy or not, and based on what you were doing, right? Like the program could be um, anywhere from three months to a year, really just depends, right? That first mm-hmm. year can be really tricky, especially for the woman who maybe it's their first. Like I was, I didn't, I think I underestimated how much time my baby would need me in that first mm. Um, I felt like we were pretty much attached to the hip because I was breastfeeding and then I was also trying to work and all those things. So attached that, at the boob more. Attached. Like. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like, you know, I think some women are like really excited to get back to their routine. I was one of those women that was after my first, but the timing just wasn't always right. Like maybe I was exhausted from the night before. My hydration or nutrition or sleep was off. So um, the program is generally three months, but it could take less or more depending on, like I said, recovery, sleep, hydration, all the things like like in any other normal program, right? But I mm-hmm. sort of base it off of a loose version of like dynamic neuromuscular stabilization. And that goes from like crawling to standing, right? So if you watch how a baby learns to roll over, crawl, and then eventually stand and walk, there's certain steps that your body does, right? And there's, we need to be able to rehab the same way postpartum, right? Because what you're trying to do is heal the core and pelvic floor. So it starts off with breath and it goes through some movements, rolling on the floor, crawling, healing that linea alba, strengthening the rectus abdominals, the transverse abs, the glute medius, all those things so that we can eventually stand and move with a lot more ease and strength and stability. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> It's a lot. There's a lot going it's on. A lot, of, so, a lot of stuff. I mean, one of the things that's standing out 
that I think about a lot and that I hear a lot from women and from potential clients who come to me who are struggling with postpartum feeling right, you know, feeling like they want to go back and lift and stuff, but kind of feeling off. A lot of it comes back to this core thing Mm -hmm. and not really being aware of what pregnancy does to your core, to the muscles, to the pelvic floor, all of those things. Maybe not knowing about pelvic floor PT, not knowing that there are really like professionals out there whose entire job is helping you sort of rehab this area. And knowing that when you, if you feel off, if you feel like you're abs don't exist anymore. If you feel something weird going on when you walk postpartum, all of that stuff is very normal, right? Um, Because as you said, what, what your body just went through, there's no way your, your ab muscles aren't going to stretch and separate. There's no way that your, you know, organs and your pelvic floor are going to be just like normal a day later. It's impossible. That's not going to happen. Um, but I feel like one of the, the biggest issues, and you tell me what you find, like one of the biggest challenges and, and problems that I find postpartum women have is they sort of skip that step. They, they, and a lot of it's due to lack of awareness. It's more like, okay, did the doctor sign off on me? Has three months passed? Do I feel okay? All right. I'm going to go back to the gym without kind of doing this. Like you're saying sort of all before you walk, you know, mm-hmm. breathe before you do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that to be one of the sort of like biggest sticking points? What, what other issues are you like coming up yeah. against? Yeah. So this is, this is what I find, um, in my, in my personal practice. And then I hear it a lot. We're really excited to lose the baby weight, right? Like everyone's really excited. And what's the easiest, cheapest thing to do is to run, right? Yeah. Or like go walk or whatever, you know, you want to get cardio. Yes. People think cardio, right? So, and I don't want to discourage anyone because you can get there mama, right? Like you, I'm not saying don't ever run, but I think setting the foundation of just the breath work can go and posture can go so far with these people, right? Just understanding breath and posture because the diaphragm and pelvic floor work together, right? So if we're breathing, in, you know, deep inhales, exhales, diaphragmatic breathing, we're healing the diaphragm and we're healing the linea alba, right? The abs do split. Everybody's abs stretch to accommodate space for the baby. And if you're the tissue in the linea alba, so the place of the abs stretch and the pelvic floor, so the cervix is made of the same type of tissue. So when we are breathing big, wide, and deep, we are healing those together. So the idea is to heal both at the same rate. We don't want to just focus on the core. We just want, don't want to just focus on the pelvic floor, but just focusing on the breath with the folks that want to really get back is a great place to start. But I do find that a lot of people skip this step because we're very excited, overzealous about wanting to lose the baby weight. And the cardio is the first thing that people tend to think of because you go outside, get a run, you get a sweat, you get like instant gratification mm-hmm. from that movement. So I encourage women to slow down right? Those first couple of weeks postpartum when you get quote unquote clearance, do some stability and foundational work. Even if it's just like a few classes of educating yourself around posture and pelvic floor and breath and what that means so that you can take that into whatever else it is that you're doing, whether you decide to do the yoga, the breathing, the strength training, because it really can go a long way because I've seen that you can get cleared from that checkup and be totally fine. And then you go running out of the gates. And then you're like, well, something doesn't feel right. And mm-hmm. that happens a lot. Right. So we don't want to put the cart for the horse or whatever the saying is we want to, yeah. you know, strengthen the core, strengthen the pelvic floor, um, 
hydrate, nutrition, all these things mm-hmm. should be a priority. Sleep is variable. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, so and then and then go to slowly adding in load, slowly adding in the cardio. I remember after Jordan, so the vaginal birth, I remember I was focusing a lot on my older son to make sure he didn't feel the impact Mm -hmm. of having a new baby in the house. So his school at the time was a good 30 minute walk away. So I dedicated myself to picking him up every day. So I'd walk 30 minutes there, 30 minutes back after that first week. So this was after I was cleared from the doctor. So like say I'm eight weeks postpartum at this point, I started to feel pain in my knee and I was like, oh my God. And I'm just walking. I'm not like running. So I decided to see the pelvic floor therapist and she was like, Missy, you're just, you're tight on one side, a little bit weaker on the other side. She gave me some exercises. I had a much better roadmap of what was going on in my pelvic floor. Guess what? The knee pain went away. Mm -hmm. So I just encourage women to slow down and just, you know, cause that's what I feel like I had to do. And I'm telling you my story so that hopefully it helps people Mm -hmm. out there. Um, because like I said, just the breath work, understanding posture, you know, when you're breastfeeding and carrying the baby, bring that baby to you. When you're wearing that baby carrier, wear the baby carrier up high on your hips, right? And think about those things. And even just the little things of the baby carrier, I used it so much with my first one, but then I really learned, I'm like, the baby carrier is amazing. It's awesome. And I, if I had a third, I would use it all the time, but just be mindful of how much you're using it. You can push yeah. down to the pelvic floor, be aware of how you're wearing it because it can pull your shoulders forward. You know, all those things, um, are really important that first year postpartum because that's mm-hmm. going to set you up for the years thereafter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And you know what? I'm going to do something right now that might not be very popular, but I'm going to toot my own horn for just one second. You too. Okay? And I'm going to explain why because yeah. I am not a professional at this by any means. I've had one child. I did a ton of research. I didn't do everything perfectly. No one does. But one thing I'm really proud of, and I think to be fair, one of the reasons that I did this well is because A, I was older having my first kid. So I was just a little bit like, maybe a little bit wiser, but also a little bit like less caring about bouncing back immediately. Cause I'm like, I'm a grown woman. I don't, you know, I'm not trying to, I don't need to prove anything to anybody. Also, to be fair, I was like, he was an end of pandemic baby. So like we weren't doing much. Like I didn't have a vacation that I had to be in a bikini and six, like whatever. All that to say, the thing that I did is what you, the professional are saying to do, which is I took my recovery so slowly, so much more slowly, maybe even than I needed to. But I mean, you know, it's the whole, it was a Bruce Lee that said smooth is slow and slow is fast. I think I got back to feeling pretty close to hundred percent because I took the first, honestly, six months so slowly. And I did all I did for the first few months was walk and breathe. And I worked on that breathing and like connecting with my core again and doing these kind of like deep core restorative things. I wasn't thinking about the gym. I wasn't thinking about cardio, lifting weights, nothing. I knew that that was going to come back, but I had to fix the foundational issues first. And I just told myself like, it's going to come, it's going to happen. Um, I'm going to give myself this time and not worry if I look like I had a baby a couple of months ago, cause I did have a baby a couple of months ago. If anybody out there wants to judge me for that, that's their problem. I don't, you know, I don't care. Um, but I really think that doing that slow, again, boring work. And I think that's why a lot of other people skip it too, because it's just not as fun. It's not as sexy. You're itching to get back to something that feels like 
you and what you want and what brings you happiness. And so I get that too. Um, but I just feel like, and I told this to so many people because I think a lot of people do try to get back into working out because it's fun and they love it, but also like this fear-based thing that you spoke to of like, I have to get strong again. I have to be fit again. I have to lose this weight. I can't look, you know, we all know what we look like a week or two after having a kid. Nobody really wants to look like that long-term. Um, but it's like this fear-based thing. And instead I just told myself like, this is a time to bond with your baby and relax and not worry about getting to the gym. And I truly feel that that is one of the things that helped me actually in like the longer term, get back to where I wanted to be, um, more efficiently. Um, so that little story of me patting my own back is just to say that like when people feel this very, very normal reaction to be like, okay, well, you know, my stitches have healed or, you know, I figured out this breastfeeding thing, like feeling okay, time to just dive back in, take it a couple steps back, go a little bit slower than even you maybe think you, you need to. And that will probably end up being just right. You know, it's just, I think it's the time. Totally. And I think it's really important for people to hear from people, from women like you and me who they may see, maybe they see in person or they see um, in the gym doing what we do, right? You know, doing all the heavy lifting and, you know, the way they, your body looks in a bikini, right? I think it's really important for women to hear it. Like the, like I slowed down too. Mm -hmm. And there's not, there needs to be more of a culture around the healing postpartum there's just, it's just such an underserved population of women. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, I understand that fitness can bring some mental clarity and clearing and all those things. And I think that's amazing. And we need to do what we have to do for like our mental health, but I encourage slowing down and getting the foundations and the stability set first, just like you said, because if you do that initially, then it's going to, it's going to, it's going to help you in the long run. It's like mm -hmm. your savings account, right? If you save yeah. in your twenties and thirties and forties, you're going to be much better off in your fifties, sixties, and seventies. It's, mm -hmm. it's, um, you have, it's, it's, you have to do it. Mm -hmm. Do you find, do you have any advice or do you think that there's anything to the idea that there are exercises or core work or breath work you can do in pregnancy that can help that healing after the fact, like I know, and I, I feel like you probably may have had a similar situation, but you know, I'm not a large person. I'm like small, average to small. And I had a large baby and I went like from, you know, being six months and kind of just looking like I had a big meal to looking like I swallowed like the biggest pumpkin that you would ever find. Like I got huge really fast at the end. And I felt a lot of discomfort in my core. Like I could feel my muscles like ripping apart. And I wore the like, you know, those like supportive belly bands. And I had like the tape because I felt like a lot of pain. Um, and I did do some of this like deep diaphragmatic breathing. Like I was practicing this stuff ahead of time to try to like connect with my core and feel my core. I wasn't doing like core exercises in the typical sense. Um, but do you think that that in your experience can kind of help with some of the postpartum? Work yeah, I think in general, it helps to just get in the habit of all yeah. of the things. Yeah, because it makes recovery that much better. Even labor, you're like, okay, I know this. Yeah. I know that I have to breathe. I know that I have to connect, right? Like, and that's for anything in life. Yeah, right? when things are hard, when things don't feel right, we have mm -hmm. to come back to ourselves. And I remember, to your point, my first baby was only six pounds, which is ironic mm -hmm. that he was stuck. 
Um, you're not a large person. No, I'm not, a large, not a large person. <laughs> no. And my second son, he was seven pounds, 10 ounces. So that's a big difference in baby mm-hmm. size. Mm-hmm. And his head and shoulders were, are, were much bigger than mm-hmm. my first son. So it's like he made space for him. We joke mm-hmm. about it all the time in the house. That's um, nice. it's really hysterical. Um, my, my, to your point, I, I literally felt him taking up every ounce of my body, including my shoulders. So it was very hard for me to lie. Obviously I can't lie on my stomach. I had a, and I could only lie on my sides. My shoulder, I felt it in my bones, in my shoulders, because he was for me at 105 pounds. Normally he was taking up every ounce of my body. I had sciatica for like a couple of weeks in there. I did acupuncture for it. There was like nothing I could do to relieve how I felt. He was moving my body, literally mm-hmm. your bones. Mm-hmm. Move. And I felt when I had him, I just like, remember looking at it on my stomach. I'm like, like, like my stomach yep. you can't see me, but like, I felt like this like ocean wave thing happening with my stomach. I'm like, wow, that's new. Um, Crazy. Um, it's so wild. It's so wild. The whole experience. I love hearing people's birth stories because they're also different and unique. Um, and that also helps with just how you tailor the recovery process to people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that if I hadn't done to your point, like all the breathing and the, mm-hmm. and, and the mental work. Yeah. I don't know if my recovery would have been as easy. Cause my first one, even though he was a C-section, he was like six pounds. They, he was out. Like a week later, yeah. I was like, oh, I, you know, even I remember walking around and feeling quite different. My second baby mm-hmm. was bigger, vaginal felt different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anything that you can do when it comes to the breath work uh, prior to labor is so important because you can always just come back to that. How did you find the postpartum healing with respect to pelvic floor and core? Based like the differences between one being like your first pregnancy and delivery, but also a major surgery versus the second one, which was a vaginal delivery. Like, did you find the recovery different in ways that were surprising, similar in ways that were surprising? I think with my C-section, I felt a little defeated because it was unplanned. So Mm. mentally I felt a little defeated, which was very, very hard for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Looking back, I probably should have had some support around that, but I didn't know, right? Like I didn't know how I was feeling and what that was feeling for me. Um, But my recovery was, I want to say, pretty seamless. You know, I was up and walking around. I... Um, all the things that they kind of tell you not to do. Not that I'm telling people to do this, but I remember mm-hmm. being, I have to get up out of bed. I have to bend over. I like, I was doing all the things with total ease. Hmm. Um, I think I was shockingly after my vaginal birth, even though I was like elated with the experience and all those hormones were there and flowing, I was like very nervous to go to the bathroom. Mm. Um, for weeks, I mm. had a hard time sitting. Um, that I didn't think about exercise. It was totally off my radar. To your point, I took many weeks to just heal and just sit with my baby and sit with myself and just breathe and sit in my chair and breastfeed. So I have a lot of like fond memories about just really slowing down. And I wish I would have my myself now looking back, I would have told my first pregnancy self to be a lot more gentle with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was putting there was, there's was a lot of different factors in it, right? Like I was a first time mom. I didn't know what to expect. Like 
I felt like I had to do all the things that I was doing normally, plus take care of a baby. So Mm -hmm. the recoveries were quite different. Um, I think that I was just a lot more shocked with the vaginal birth being like Mm. hard time going to the bathroom and having a hard Mm -hmm. time sitting, uh, and that maybe, maybe you assume too, like the vaginal birth is like the way it's supposed to go. So that healing should by definition be easier maybe than a major surgery. And it's like, it's still a really major thing that happened to you. So super major, it's really major. Um, and so amazing, both experiences, like looking back, I'm like, wow, like just you, a human comes out of your body. Right. Like when we like sit and think about that, a human comes out of your body. Right. And I think we actually don't sit with that enough and say, you make one, you make human in a very short period of time. Then the human comes out of your body and then you have to sustain this human's life with your own bodily fluid right? Mm -hmm. If you choose to Mm -hmm. do that. And even if Mm -hmm. you don't, you still have to go through some processes of like your body understanding and adjusting and lots of hormonal fluctuations, Mm -hmm. right? So um, the healing process is quite wild. And I really wish I could shout from the rooftops to all the, all the postpartum women right now that are like in the thick of it of like, you're doing a good job. Yeah. And don't be hard on yourself. Don't be hard on yourself. And it's literally okay to sit for a yeah. year if you need it yes. with your baby, if breastfeeding and or not breastfeeding and you're holding the bottle, whatever it is, sit and do what you need to do in that time because you have the rest of your life to yes. quote unquote get whatever it is you want. Get it. after it. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. And look, I feel like you and I probably both feel like we're repeating ourselves a lot, but there's a reason that we have to repeat these things because they're all postpartum women or pregnant women are also hearing the opposite from so many people. And they just need to hear it from like real people who have been through it. Like we are not lying to you. We are not like selling you some like ideal of what you should do, but we actually like did it different or like secretly or doing it differently behind closed doors. Like this is the truth. And this is what we're trying to communicate to people for your own best interest. Like it's not in our best interest to say like, don't go to the gym ever again. And like, who cares about working out? You're a mom now. Like, that's not the message. The message is for your own mental health, your own um, long-term physical health and longevity. Um, If you want to get back to getting after it, the way to do it is to do it slowly. And I think the other thing that people need to hear sort of a lot, and I, I don't mean this to be like a, I don't know, like to upset people who maybe aren't super into fitness now, but like, I've had so many people tell me like, how did you prep for getting pregnant, having a healthy pregnancy? And I'm like, I literally didn't do a single thing different than what I normally do. If you are taking care of your body and treating your body well, and you care about your health and you nourish yourself and you work out appropriately, you are, your body, that's what you're, that's how you prime yourself. For, for getting pregnant. Right. I mean, again, there's yes. individual stuff, right? Like individual women may yes. need different stuff, but I'm just saying like, I didn't need to, I didn't decide I want to get pregnant. I'm going to go do all this different stuff to take care of my body. I was taking care of my body that way so that my body was ready when I wanted to become pregnant. And I think 100%. that also makes things easier, right. I think, so this is what, this is what I'd like to hammer home. As long as your doctor says you're allowed to work out, you are not fragile when you are pregnant. It is really important to actually maintain 
or sustain what level you can of activity. So you stay strong, right? Again, as long as cleared by the doctor and you're not, um, and you feel right, you know, like that's good in your body. And I think this is probably something you would echo too, but like I was the same way, you know, I was doing everything that I wanted to do, but the minute something didn't feel right, I stopped doing it. Whether, mm-hmm. you know, other people maybe were further along and doing the same thing. The minute pull-ups started feeling weird in my guts, I stopped doing them, you know, totally, like yes. listen to yourself. Yeah. Totally. With my first pregnancy, I was actually doing a lot more running and I wanted to maintain that when I was pregnant. All of a sudden, second trimester came every time I stepped, you know, every time I tried to hit a stride, I felt like I had to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. That feeling was so annoying that I just, I stopped. Mm-hmm. I stopped running and it was a huge mental shift for me because I really wanted to, for whatever reason, want to maintain my running. I didn't want that to be taken away from me, but I didn't feel good. And it was my body saying to me, maybe like, this is not a good idea for you right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a really important thing to, to remember is just because it's right for someone else doesn't mean it's right for you. And it also doesn't mean forever. Yeah. It's a temporary period of time. So I just shifted to something else. And that's actually started when I started dabbling more in kettlebells and the ballistics and things like that. And again, to your point, I have videos of myself doing heavy pull-ups, doing heavy, you know, double bell strict presses throughout my second pregnancy. And I'm it's, it's whatever works for you. Right. But I remember laying flat on my back, getting a bikini wax and feeling like I was going to throw up. I wasn't doing anything. So I was like, you know, I said to, I remember saying to them, I'm like, this doesn't feel good for me. I need to shift. So it's all in pregnancy and postpartum. It's all about shifting gears. So if Mm -hmm. you have a coach or you're looking for a coach or you're looking for a program, I suggest that you find a program that's flexible, Mm -hmm. that doesn't gear it towards one person. Like this is the C-section person. This is the vaginal birth. Like, Mm -hmm. no, like everybody's experience is different. Um, it needs to be a flexible program. Like it shouldn't be like an hour. I can't even imagine Mm -hmm. doing an hour now. I have two kids. I don't want to do an hour of fitness. 20, 30 minutes, a couple times a week, I'm good. Mm -hmm. And I can still do the things and sustain what I need to do. So for all the moms out there, the moms to be just the parents to be, I think it needs to be a flexible program based on your lifestyle, right? Mm -hmm. Your life does change, right? So I think it needs to just be geared towards flexibility and the goals that you have at that time. And just like, remember that. It is ironic now that you think like the way you were explaining this, I haven't actually put it together this way in my head that conventional wisdom seems to tell us that pregnant women are extremely fragile and postpartum women are just kind of like, whatever, it's fine when it's actually really kind of the opposite. Exactly. Um, and it's again, it's totally depends backwards. on the woman, but yeah, I mean, generally if you're having an okay pregnancy, like do whatever you need to do as long as it feels good. Whereas postpartum, there's, there's a lot more that you're dealing with. And we kind of just tell women like, all right, good luck. See ya. I don't know. It's wild. I think, and I think the other thing that people need to to remember this is the thing I'll say over and over again forever is that consistency over time matters more than, you know, getting back to it immediately and, and pushing yourself because postpartum and even pregnancy like that, you know, two to three years, let's say, let's round it out is a blink in time. And I say that in sort of a positive way and a bittersweet way to, to reiterate that, like, you know, if you've been working out your entire life, 
or, you know, even five years, 10 years, whatever, if you working out as a part of your life and you take it down a notch for a year or two in the grand scheme of your life, that really means nothing. Like if you're a competitive elite athlete or something, maybe we're talking about a different story, but if you're a normal recreational person who likes to be fit and work out, um, so beating yourself up over not getting back to it six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks after, it just doesn't matter in the long run. Like, again, I, I stopped working out almost entirely in the pandemic before I even got pregnant because the gyms were closed and it was winter and I didn't want to, you know, I was just like, well, here we are. I'm just going to move and figure I'll pivot, but like, I'm not working out that much. And then pregnancy happened. And, you know, unlike you, I was like, as soon as I saw like a bump in my stomach, my feet didn't leave the ground. Like I wasn't doing any kind of running, biking, plyometric stuff, nothing. I was just like low impact from here on out. So for like six months and then postpartum, I took forever. Anyway, here I am back pretty much feeling fine, you know, and it, I took a significant amount of time significantly off from working out. So consistency, just if your goal every day is just to treat your body well, and you have that in your head, instead of how quickly can I get my abs back? How quickly can I lose my fat? Whatever. You're going to be so much better off because treating your body well is going to look different in different times of your life. Right. I mean, I always say to people, treat yourself. This is even a reminder for me, how you would treat your child right? Like treat yourself with as much love and care as you would that baby. So if that means that you need to actually rest during some time or sit down, you know, it's it, people always like, yeah, sleep when the baby sleeps. I did not do that either. But no. maybe, maybe instead of going to the grocery store, you can delegate that. So I want to say if there's anything out there and you're the kind of person that, you know, my social media feed is now I curated it so that it's not anything that necessarily triggers me, right? So mm -hmm. if you have to mute people during that time, feel free to mute people, mm -hmm. mute people. I curated my social media feed. I don't even go on Facebook, but I curated my social media feed so that it's now anything that inspires me, educates me, or it's just a friend who I want to see pictures of, of their life, you know? So mm -hmm. if you have to do that to sort of weed out the noise of things that you're feeling during that time, pregnancy and postpartum, do it. Yes. Your mental health, because, you know, I get that's just a that's just a highlight reel of people's lives. And I think it is very inspirational when you do see women lifting pregnant. I was one of those as well. But there was also lots of times where I didn't. And I there was lots of times where I was resting. And maybe it's more of that showing just being able to rest and recover, because to mm -hmm. your point, if as long as you're consistent the majority of the time, like I said, it's like your savings plan. If the majority of the time you're saving and not spending, it's going to be fine. Yes. Yeah. Social media makes it really hard to have perspective because, you know, again, every single one of us in our pregnancy journey, whether it was hard, easy, fun, not fun, somewhere in between, which is probably what it is for most of us, you know, there are people who may look at what we're doing or how we're handling it and think, man, I wish I could be doing it like you. And then in turn, you're looking at somebody on Instagram and being like, that person is so much fitter and more impressive and doing so much more than I am. So it's all relative. Like I'm, I'm happy with how I, how I conducted myself pregnancy postpartum. Yes. Every once in a while, somebody would come through the feed and I'd be like, oh man, like, I wish I was doing that. But for the most part, I was like, I feel really good. I know there are people like I, you know, hopefully I'm inspiring people, uh, whatever, but like, it's all your perspective. So I completely agree that muting is the best invention 
<laughs> Instagram is oh, ever yeah. creative. And you, can always, and you can always go back, right? I think it's important, yes. no matter where you are at what stage in your life, to have things around you during in your life that uplift you, right? And I think that pregnancy and postpartum is a very important, delicate time to make sure the extra that's happening. Extra, yes. extra, extra. Um, you know, I have a friend who had said to me once, when you're stressed out, you meditate more, mm-hmm. right? So it's like when you're a busy parent, you sit at the dinner table longer. Yes. And I was like, that really resonated with me. And that's what we need to be preaching to our postpartum moms, right? Mm-hmm. You you have a lot going on. Your body went through a massive change. You need more rest and recovery, yes. right? And I think that that's what the industry is missing and we just don't have it, right? There are some really amazing resources out there in New York City. There's the Motherhood Center, downtown in Tribeca. There's something, a place called Cocoon, right? Where they have all different types of classes for parents. And in, you know, I'm sure these are, these kinds of places are all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's postpartum doulas, there's postpartum midwives, there's all different types of resources, but how do we reach the mom that like just can't leave the house that day, mm-hmm. right? Or just can't drive an hour to go to the class, you know, yeah. or doesn't have childcare, how do we reach that mom and mm-hmm. say, and say, you know what, let me just teach you a couple of breathing exercises, some tools to use in the moment when things are really stressful and you need to connect to your core and pelvic floor. Let's talk to the mom about, you know, how to stand right and how to wear the pelvic, how to wear the, the baby carrier, right? Those mm-hmm. types of things can go a really long way. And just sharing them in social media or sharing, 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 pass it along to a friend, um, really just honing in on this particular population um, because women are trying to, they're trying to do it all. And that's why I felt after my first one and no one really, I just didn't know any different. I no help trying to work like I was working before the pressure to still put dinner on the table. And I just wish I, I could look back and be like, you don't have to actually do any of that. I wonder what it is like, if there's some weird biological thing, because even like, you know, I'm not of the generation, like I look at like my mom's generation as sort of the first one that like they could work and go to school, but also they were expected to do all the homemaking stuff. And it was all very like stressful. Whereas I see my generation more as like, do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Like it's much more sort of like egalitarian setup or you would think. And I am certainly not somebody who I think grew up considering myself to be an overly domestic, like, I can't wait to be a mom. I can't wait to get married. None of that. And yet, and yet when I had this kid, I still felt myself being like, I am going to do everything. And it's, it's, it's just easier for me to do everything than try to ask for help or teach this person how to do it, or God forbid, give up the control so that the dad does it differently than how I do it or whatever. And I have a great partner and he does a lot, but still, you know, as well as I do the first year, at least like the woman's doing a ton of stuff. And I think maybe part of it is because at the beginning, it's like by necessity, you're doing more. You just are, it sucks, but you just are. And then you get comfortable with that and you get familiar with that. And it's just like harder to give up the control, but like, how do we, I'm asking this because I'm somebody who preaches this and still has a hard time with it. And we have to, because all this does is, is promote burnout and resentment and stress and exhaustion, right? Because literally no one in the world can do everything and we shouldn't, 
and we shouldn't try to. So what can we tell ourselves? What can we tell other women who I know there are women listening to this who are thinking, yep, you're right, but I'm just going to keep doing everything because that's, you know, it's just better that way. How do we, how do we tell people? How do we tell Even like baby steps, you know, like. Yeah, it's so hard. I definitely was one of those, one of those folks after my first that was trying to do it all. And then I think I took this like different approach with my second. I delegated. So I I still, it's not, I delegated. I would ask my dad to help with the laundry. I would ask her all, my husband's also very hands-on and very helpful, but I found that men sometimes need a list. Not all men, yeah. but I was like, yeah. okay, you, need, you know, I would like for you to like go to the grocery store, mm-hmm. um, do X, Y, and Z. And I think like you said, it's, it sounds so much easier said than done, you know, but I even try to do this with my kids' schedules. I'm not going to pack their schedules tight. So why would I do that to mine? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there, we're lucky that we do live in a time and era where we have Amazon prime. Like what did our mom do? And we can order things from fresh direct and just get our delivery, you know, our groceries delivered. So I think my biggest piece of advice is outsource what you can. And I noticed certain things like I'm okay with a revolving door of visitors Everywhere else in my house, not so much. So, you know, I limit I limit visitors to maybe when my mm-hmm. husband's in the office and I'm home alone and it doesn't bother me. Well, home mm-hmm. alone with like one of the kids or whatever. But mm-hmm. I think that just outsourcing and understanding like how your whole house operates. Mm. Stepping back and being like, okay, um, what do I need? I need to put my oxygen mask on. Mm-hmm. And then how does my whole house operate? Mm-hmm. So just to be delegate. Fair- yeah. I mean, to be fair with the, the husband thing or the partner thing, you know, even helpful partners, when it comes to the pregnancy and postpartum thing specifically, I understand how they can sometimes feel a little bit like lost at sea just because we're, the, again, we're the ones doing so much and they're the mm-hmm. ones kind of like standing around like, uh, uh, can I, what do I do? Like, you know, they can feel helpless. They can feel out of their element. Like we're out of our element too, but we have sort of no choice. So I do think like sometimes there is kind of an issue with with women being like, well, I shouldn't have to ask and I shouldn't have to beg because people don't want to. They don't want to have to ask. They want people to just support them. And that would be great in a perfect world. And maybe that's the kind of communication that you want to be working on before you have a baby too. Um, But maybe that is part of what you need for your sort of healing and mental health is like learning to do the uncomfortable thing of just like, look, I know you don't know what you're doing, neither do I, but like, go get me some food. Like, go do this, like go get some diapers, like do that stuff. And then as you work through it together, it becomes easier. And then maybe he picks it up and doesn't have to be asked, whatever. But I think just giving, giving each other a little bit of a break, like, yeah, you're doing the most and it's, it's hard. And maybe you don't want to have to add to the list, like telling your husband to go do something, but maybe for the first little while, he really doesn't know what the heck to do. So, you know, it's so true. And right. this carries over because now my kids are eight and five. This, that, what you're exact saying doesn't go away, right? Yeah. So what I've learned to do, my husband actually came up with this idea and this is going to sound crazy. And I know when he initially told me this, he was, I was like, no, that's one more thing for me to do. What I don't mm. want to do. And I was like self-sabotaging actually. I realized that myself. He's like, we need to have a weekly like meeting about what mm-hmm. I can do, right? Because he's like, Missy, I can help you. You're not utilizing me. You just need to tell me what to do. So Mm -hmm. 
I really, at first I was like, oh God, I was like, I can't. Now I'm, now I have to make a list to tell you what yeah. to do and then sit down for a meeting. No, thank you. But then I was like, oh gosh, I'm like, I'm totally self-sabotaging. So circle back. I was like, all right, let's do this. So now, cause I was feeling really stressed out. My kids are older. I was like, I have to get them to school. I have to get in the car. I have to do this X, Y, lunches. I was, I was like, okay, what's your work schedule? What's my work schedule? You take the kids, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday to school. This is what's going on after school. What can you help me with? And just sort of looking at it like teamwork, right? And, mm-hmm. and then the kids are involved. I'm like, this is, you have baseball, so you have to pack your bag. And it, it changes, right? From little to big, right? I can recruit my older son now who will pack even my younger one's bag. But just having a list and a plan for the whole house. And I know it sounds super type A, maybe not manageable, but I realized by saying no to that, I was resi- I was resisting the help that mm-hmm. was right in front of me, as opposed mm-hmm. to being like, we need a babysitter. We, you know, I need a cleaning lady. I need this. And it's like, I actually didn't need any of that. What I needed to do was stop getting in my own way, look at what was in front of me, sit down for five minutes, because it's all that it takes. Mm-hmm. And be like, this is where it would really help. Because when you take the kids to school, I gain back two hours. And in my, in your, in a mom life, you know, I can get done in two hours. Oh my God. You know, so I think it's, it's, it sounds a little crazy. And when I've mentioned it to people, they're like, I can't do that. I'm like, I know I thought the same thing. And then I started implementing it and I just felt a lot more free and it doesn't always cost money. Mm -hmm. I like that suggestion. And we've been doing the same thing too, like looking at the schedule ahead, because again, we don't currently have childcare right now. So we're like switching off and we're both fortunate to be entrepreneurs. We have the flexibility to do that, but it means like days are nuts. We're literally like tossing them back and forth between meetings and stuff. But, um, and my husband actually is the more, uh, organized one of the two of us. So he was like, look, let's sit down, let's look at the calendar, let's figure it out and decide. And yeah, I was kind of irritated too. Cause I'm like, is this our life now? Like, this is how we, you know, but the reality is, yeah, your life is different when you have a kid. And if a five minute family meeting can, can reduce the tension and the friction and the confusion and the running around of the rest of the week, that kind of only makes sense, right? Um, Okay, so listen, we've been talking so much about just postpartum life, which I really love. I feel like this has been a very real conversation. I like it. I do want to touch on some more maybe strictly fitness stuff. So I want to just bring it back to that. Do you have any, first of all, do you, do you, um, do you do like one-on-one training anymore or not? I do a little bit. Um, I do a little bit of one-on-one because I think it's really important to, for me to keep myself fresh, troubleshoot mm-hmm. in the moment. And I see my postpartum moms in person. Um, so I'll go do a couple sessions in person. So I still do some. I think it's really important for my work to continue to stay fresh. Mm-hmm. And the fit fourth, is that more of a, it's like an online program. So people can sort of register, sign up for this. And then what do they, what do they get in terms of resources? So there's a couple of different things. Um, there is a postpartum series that talks about kind of all some of the things we were talking about. There's short video clips that are like, okay, let's talk about breath postpartum. Let's talk about posture postpartum. Let's talk about the baby care. Let's talk about squatting, standing up, how you're sitting on the floor, how to get out of bed. So those are like short video clips. Um, and then the fit fourth is a program that you can repeat if necessary. Um, and it just walks through some gentle movement to do after that six to seven week postpartum checkup. So some gentle movement to get you from that checkup back to lifting weights. So by the end of the program, you can either repeat it, right? Like I said, Mm -hmm. sometimes it takes longer to go through things based on where you're at in your life. Um, 
Or if you were avidly working out right till the end and had a pretty easily birth and recovery, then maybe at the end of the program, you're ready to move into a little bit more of a beginner intermediate type lifting weights. Maybe you're able to start incorporating some more ballistic type or more um, running back in. It just like really depends on the birth and recovery process and also what your, what your life is with baby. Mm -hmm. What about women who, because I get this a lot, women who are like, I'm not like technically postpartum anymore. My kid is five or six or whatever. I still, I kind of feel like I never really healed my core. I kind of feel like I never really got back to where I wanted to be. Like, is it too late now? And I always tell people it's not too late and you can always go see a pelvic floor therapist. You can always work on, you know, um, improving your core strength and your connection to your pelvic floor and all that stuff. But would your work be relevant to folks who are like, I'm, you know, my kid's three or four, but I still just kind of feel like I'm not really back where I want to be. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've had those women before and I think it's actually really critical because you can see some of the habits that were formed that weren't maybe corrected. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's important for anybody to, if you've never done some sort of rehab post, um, to go back to that and just, set the foundation and understand it's never, it's really never too late. Um, and even for scar work, I talk about this all the time. Um, whether it's from a C-section scar or whether it's a, some vaginal tearing, I, I recommend everybody I see to a pelvic floor therapist, if possible, like if they can do it, um, because, the scar work is also really critical to getting that tissue moving and the healthy tissue going so that you can feel what that feels like when that tissue isn't so stagnant. Mm -hmm. Okay. I know that this is probably a very like general question and it's going to be different for so many different women, but are there any movements that, and this is beyond the breath work, are there any kind of basic strength or mobility movements excuse me, that you think are really, really great for postpartum women. I know you're a big fan of kettlebells. Like, is there anything that you're like, if you're feeling good and kind of back to working out, these are things I think are just so great, just foundational movements, especially for postpartum women. Yeah. Lots of things. I'll try to keep it to like two or three. The okay. first thing I'm going to say is lots of variations of crawling on the floor rolling and rolling. So lots of variations of that. I think it's totally underrated connecting the left and the right sides of the brain, crossing the midline, um, uh, packing the shoulders, understanding what that means for your posture, using your posterior chain. So crawling, that's mm -hmm. how our babies get strong mm -hmm. by crawling. So we need to be doing the same things. What, one of my biggest pieces of information that I pulled from, um, this amazing, um, program that I listen to from the Institute of Birth Healing. They do every year a birth healing summit where they interview all these different amazing speakers. And I'll never forget this one speaker. I can't remember her name, but I will never forget what she said. A lot of people don't understand that not only is mom have diastasis after giving birth, like abs separate, they have to, right? To accommodate space. The degree of separation for everybody's very, very variable and different. Um, but our babies are also born with some ab separation because that's how they fit down the birth canal. Yes. I mean, it's like insane, right? So mm -hmm. how do babies heal their diastasis and ab separation? By rolling and crawling. Mm -hmm. So moms, I mimic some of the same movements from my moms that are the same movements that you'll see very early on with babies. Obviously, mom moves a little bit faster through the program right? Than a baby. It might take a baby a long time to roll over and crawl. Mm -hmm. Um, so I say rolling and crawling. 
The way I incorporate rolling, someone may not even know because I may have them doing variations of get-ups, mm-hmm. right? Rolling up to a sitting position, rolling back to a sit. Like lots of things that, like you said way earlier in the podcast interview, things that people maybe not want to do because it's slow. Mm-hmm. So rolling, crawling, lots of time on the floor. Love that. Okay. Well, I mean, I was going to say like, I, I still do, I'm like very, I'm really not good at pistols, which makes me sad. I have like a, my former CrossFit days, it was like the one thing I couldn't do. And it always makes me angry, but I can weirdly enough, I think it's ankle mobility because I can get up off the ground on one foot. I just can't like lower myself and come back down. Do you know what I mean? So I do a lot of practicing trying to like get up off the ground without using my hands or my knees or whatever, like just put my foot down and get up and how can I control myself back down? Like these are very, again, like they don't seem sexy, but they're actually like kind of impressive mobility, body strength, body awareness kind of movements that can humble you because it's great if you can deadlift twice your body weight, but can you get up off the ground if your hands are full or can't be used? You know what I mean? Like it's all this kind of different functional strength. And it's great. I think for us to be varied and, and adaptable and be able to do a lot of different things. You know, it's great to run fast, but are you strong? Like it's great to lift heavy, but can you, you know, move your body in different ways, you know? So I love that. Um, what about like some weighted stuff? Like what about kettlebells? Like, is that something that is potentially a good, um, way forward for, for postpartum women? Yeah. I love kettlebells for moms, especially because they're so versatile and you could Mm -hmm. do it at home and you could Mm -hmm. do a lot in a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. So, um, last couple of years, I have to be very honest. I've completely only worked with kettlebells and I've maintained my strength. Um, and specific movements that I really like for moms within that first year, once we get to those weighted versions, obviously are like things like goblet squats, front, you're constantly front loaded as mom and lots of variations of carrying. So mm-hmm. rack carry, farmer carry, overhead carry, low, lots of offset, lots of offset loading. And then I actually love bottoms up work for people, bottoms up presses, bottoms up squats, bottoms up lunges, bottoms up anything because it forces you to slow down number one. Tell me what a bottoms up, like explain that. When the kettlebells, you're holding like the weight of the belt and the handle is in your hand, but like the weight is. Yes. Yeah. So it forces your wrist to be straight, strengthens your wrist, which is a huge, can be a huge thing with moms postpartum from holding the baby and weird Mm -hmm. positions, lots of weird wrist stuff happening. So I love bottoms up, strengthen the wrists, forces people to slow down. um, And it obviously incorporates all different types of the core muscles, back muscles, just so the bottoms up work, lunges, presses, all of it, all of it. Okay. You've just given me some inspiration because that's like one thing that I like never really do. And I see people doing it and I was just like, eh, maybe I should like give that a shot sometime. Totally. And I've like never done it. Yeah. No, it actually does have a purpose in it use. It's not just yeah. like people trying to like, it's like cool looking on the internet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. It's no, good. And I mean, I think some of this, like even, you know, again, kettlebell swings, which we could do a whole other episode on mm-hmm. because I think they're so that's, it's gotta be probably one of the most commonly um, incorrectly done things I see in the gym, mm-hmm. the swing. but I think that if you're comfortable with it, if you're able to do it, if you can do it correctly, it also would be really good for postpartum women because we tend to struggle a little bit with some posterior chain weakness and things turning off. Like people talk all the time about like what happens to your butt after 10 months of pregnancy and just like interesting ways that your body changes and muscles that maybe don't get used as much. And, um, so having that sort of the core and posterior chain and glutes and back, um, work that gets done with kettlebell swings, I think could be like a good one too. 
I mean, and also what I love about kettlebell swings is you're like, after my second, I really didn't do any running. Um, and I'm not telling people to stay away from running. It just wasn't a passion of mine to go back to it. I found my cardiovascular ability to be just as good doing kettlebell swings and my feet didn't have to leave the floor. So it was good for my pelvic floor. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't say enough. Like don't, your feet don't have to leave the ground anymore. Okay. Don't do it. Like I, I literally thought when I, when I got pregnant, I was like, I'm going to, because I didn't announce that I was pregnant on social mm-hmm. media until I was like nine months. Cause I was just like, eh, this will be more fun. And I don't care. And I don't want to, and I'd rather just kind of keep it to myself. And I was like, I had this thought in my head. I'm such a nerd. I was like, I'm going to announce it. Cause I'm going to like have a video of me doing pull-ups that I'm going to like turn around and have this big belly. And I stopped doing pull-ups like, I don't know, 24 weeks in or something like before I even had a stomach, because I was just like, it feels so bad. I don't Mm -hmm. like it. I was like, I'm not skipping. I'm not running. I'm not jogging. I'm not getting on a bicycle. The one thing that I did do, and I will recommend this personally to, um, anyone who wants to give it a try. My biggest form of exercise, in addition to just from basic bodybuilding style, weightlifting that I enjoyed doing that didn't feel weird during pregnancy was stair workouts. Mm. So where I live, there's like this really, really beautiful set of outdoor stairs, like by a river and it's quite long. It's quite intense. And, you know, in other days I may sprint up it and go back down a couple of times in my pregnancy. I was just walking slowly, but it was low impact. It's great sort of mm. muscular and kind of, you know, cardiovascular work go as slow as you you know need to go and safely. Um, but I actually found that really good because it was low impact, but I, I just felt like I was moving my body in a way that felt really nice. And it was also cool because I was pregnant in the spring and summer. And every time I would go and do the stairs, I would just get so much, um, love from other people who are on the stairs who were like, yeah, go girl. So seeing me like battling up that with my giant belly. So it was nice for the morale too. But anyway, so stair workouts are something you can do. Stair workouts are great. Totally Mm -hmm. great. Yep. So for folks who want to either learn more, work with you, learn more about the fit forth, where can they go? What can they do? So, um, I'm really easily accessible on Instagram, Melissa Paris fitness right now. My program is on an app called bells up. So there is a, my, you'll find me right on there and you can always DM me on Instagram and I'll just direct you exactly where you need to go. And can, can women kind of like get on this before their postpartum? Like if they want to like dive yes. into it early. Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. And even watching the postpartum series videos might just help with an understanding of what to expect and, um, what is some things to maybe focus on that are easy, newly postpartum. Okay, cool. I'm really glad we got to chat because, you know, in, in keeping with our conversation about, postpartum life and trying to do it all, you know, this month, anybody who's been following along the podcast knows that I'm, I'm moving this month and I like, I launched a new business. Like I'm very busy and I was trying to really be productive this week. And I had like a bunch of podcasts lined up and I got food poisoning a couple of days ago and I've just been in like absolute hell. And I've been having like some time during my sickness to like come like reflect and be like, I am doing it again. I'm like trying to do too much when doing less would be better and actually more efficient and more productive. And I canceled a ton of stuff this week. And I was like, I'm not doing so much stuff, but I was feeling better. And I was like, I think it's going to be good for me to have this conversation with Melissa. I think this is worth it. And anyway, so if it was yesterday, unfortunately we would have canceled because I was dying, but, um, 
it was, it's really like restorative and good for me to have these conversations with people like you who are so genuine and so um, authentic and you know so much. And it's really good for women to have conversations like this and moms to have conversations like this with other moms, because it's nice to just be heard and share and talk about things that sometimes maybe you feel like people don't understand, even though there are so many women out there who understand. So mm -hmm. I hope that women listening are kind of hearing that too and being like, okay, I trust these ladies. They right. get it, you know, because it's, it's- Take your recovery seriously. Yeah. And women can feel, even though there's so many of us, women can feel a little bit like lonely postpartum. Like, am I the only one who feels this tired or this like blindsided by this or who has this amount of weird pain when I'm walking or whatever. And like guaranteed you are not, you are not the only, you're one. not alone. You are not, alone. you are not. And there are so many women out there who can help and have resources and you're one of them. And I just, I thank you for that. It's you're, what you're doing is so, so important. So please you, keep, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Thank you so much. You're wonderful. Thank you for having me. Oh, so good. We'll have to do it again. And uh, I'm coming back to New York in the summer. So maybe we'll we'll meet up and do a little workout or we have will. coffee or ice cream or something. Love that. Love it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Melissa.